Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Sports Memory Podcast. Uh, today, we are talking about what could be the, one of the worst divisions in all of football, the AFC South. We're going to give our predictions on the division. Uh, we're going to talk tons of fantasy because uh, that's what we're doing in each one of these previews. Uh, we're also going to be previewing you know, each team and give our predictions, especially based on what Vegas thinks and what we think. So AFC South, gentlemen, there's been a shitload of news uh, in this division. I think things would look a lot differently if uh, Deshaun Watson could have just gotten his massages from uh, team masseuses. But with that exit, I mean, we're looking at a really top-heavy division here. Yeah, I think they have one of the best teams in the NFL. And then the Colts are a huge question mark, and the bottom half of this division is one of the worst in football. For sure. I mean, so the AFC South has the... I mean, somewhat fortunate they get to draw the AFC East, which isn't awful in terms of a divisional matchup. And then they get the NFC West, which that's pretty rough. So, I mean, you say the Titans, I am assuming, are are one of the best teams in football. I mean, they're probably a top five AFC team. But if they weren't in this division, would they be further down the ranks is what I really want to know. It's pretty. It's a pretty interesting division. So the the according to Vegas, the best team in this division is projected for nine wins. I don't think a single team that we've previewed so far, and we've done quite a few divisions. Uh, I don't think there is any division that is has that low of a ceiling according to Vegas. So I think that's pretty interesting, um, especially considering the changes that the Titans have made over this off season. Um, we'll we'll go over that in a second. But geez, with the Colts. I mean, they lose their best player, and I'm not talking about Carson Wentz. <laughs> I'm talking about, of course, Quentin Nelson. Um, and then, you know, Carson Wentz goes down. We all knew that was going to happen, but maybe not this early. So let's just go ahead and start it off. Let's talk about the Colts, because there has been some news that's come out today that I definitely want to get to, because uh, this news is, sends shockwaves through the fantasy community, if, if it is, in fact, true. But Colts are projected at nine wins, according to Vegas. Oh, <laughs> Seems a little low, or is that just right? What do you guys think? I actually have them under nine wins uh, in terms of betting this. Um, Sharp Football has them as the 12th easiest schedule, but their extra game is the Bucks, which is probably a loss. Um, their schedule right out the gate is pretty tough. Um, and especially, you know, we don't know what the health situation is actually going to be for Wentz or Nelson. Um, Eric Fisher, who they signed to address the tackle position for him, is obviously still coming off that Achilles. He's probably not going to be ready early in the season. Um, and then their center is actually also hurt, and he's a big part of their offensive line too. Um, and he is pr- projected to potentially be ready to go by week one. But anytime you hear those, it's like, how ready to go are you actually? Um, so... I mean, I think that the injuries could absolutely play a fact, especially early in the year. And this is a team that could fall behind the eight ball uh, and be chasing from chasing the Titans the rest of the way. I just, you know, they're 11 and five last year. I don't think their division around them got any better. Um, I'm just curious to see the slide. And, and you don't you know, think Jacksonville got better? Do I think Jacksonville got better in a way that they're going to challenge anybody this year? No. Do I think their roster got better? And, and do they think they have a long-term future? Obviously, they picked up you know a couple of really solid players. Um, but I don't think they're going to do anything with that this year. No, I don't. I think Jacksonville's probably still a you know, four- or five-win team this year. 
I mean, they beat the Titans last year. Uh, so, I mean, that was, and you know, that was a team that was, you know, the front runner of that division. Um, and that was with Gardner Minshew at the helm. So uh, if Trevor Lawrence is actually an upgrade, then, I mean, I, I could see him beating a Colts team that's that's a little down on their luck. Yeah, so but Newman, they get to nine wins. We're talking they have to lose three more games than they lost last year with the extra so, game. So, Newman, you, you, you got them below nine wins. That's really interesting. So, obviously, missing the playoffs, because I think in the 17-team format, I think we all agree, nine wins is almost never going to get you in, um, especially with how crowded the AFC is going to be this year. I mean, a 10-win team didn't even get in last year. So, uh, I'm, I, so you, you have them missing the playoffs with, with like eight wins, or what, what's your win yeah, total at? I have them at eight wins. Interesting. So eight and nine. So a losing record. So they get worse with with Carson Wentz. Yeah, I think I think that's I think it's tough, dude. I, I'm I'm taking the over on this. I think it's one of the better ones. Um, I think they were at ten wins just a couple weeks ago. Uh, the Carson Wentz news is obviously you know um, shaking that up. But geez, I feel like this is a team that, they, like like Derek said, they, they just won eleven wins last year with with Philip Rivers. And as Philip Rivers statistically, if you just looked at him on paper, he looked decent last year, but he wasn't. If you actually looked at him play, he was such a liability on this team. I feel like even as bad as Eason looks and Schlesinger or whatever the hell his name is, the other the other guy that's competing for the backup spot, um, Ellinger, Ellinger, Ellinger. I feel like they can't possibly get worse. So I'm 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 taking the over here. Uh, and the news today is that Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson could be ready by week one, which is very interesting. Yeah, and, and I still, I mean, even if Wentz comes back from this week one, I, I, I assume he misses more time down the line. That's just what Carson Wentz is. We know he's gonna miss some time. Um, right. The Nelson news is obviously the big news there, but yeah, I mean they they were a competitive team with. Philip Rivers, you know, one step into retirement leading the team. I, I don't think that's a downgrade, even if it is, you know, Ellinger. Like, I don't think that's a big downgrade from Philip Rivers. I think the offense is probably more dynamic with somebody who can still push the, the ball down the field. Yeah, I agree. So, so Derek, are you taking the over as well? Over nine, yeah. I, I like him right in that 10 range. Maybe they find it an 11th, but I, I think nine's low. And none of us are taking them to win the division, I assume. No. Newman, obviously yeah. not. Um, okay. Well, I think that that makes it pretty easy. Uh, yeah, I, honestly, I, I, I agree with Derek's take. I, this division, to me, only got worse. I mean, the, the, the Jags stacked up, but the Jags won one game last year. So they got their quarterback of the future. Uh, they got their running. They, they're setting themselves up for success, but odds are they're going to win five, six games this year and not be that good. Um, and then, of course, obviously, a top five quarterback j- is is probably never going to play another down for Houston. Um, but this Deshaun Watson, I mean, the way that they're treating uh, him and well, well, we'll get to that when we talk about the Texans. But let's talk about this from a fantasy perspective, because uh, this team has a lot of fantasy, you know, studs at the top at the top of the draft. And then they also have some guys that could potentially break out this year. Uh, but Jonathan Stewart, he's he's a guy that I've Taylor. seen. Sorry, John, Jonathan Stewart. Think of the Daily Show. Uh, Jonathan Taylor. I've seen this guy all over people's draft boards. People either love this guy or pretty much the majority of people absolutely love him this year. But he is a somewhat one-dimensional back. Uh, I know a lot of people compared him to AP coming out of college. And it kind of held true um, if you looked at his stats last year. He's not really a great receiving back. Um, is this a guy people should be drafting in the top 10 like he's projected? 
Uh, top ten running back or top? T- you mean top ten overall? Top ten overall. I've I've seen him at number as as high as number seven. I'm I'm that's a tough one for me. I'm on the fence there. I think if the, if you get really good value on one of those premier wide receivers and a PPR, um, there's a lot of risk involved in the Jonathan Taylor thing. But I do think it's his job to lose. And uh, we we know Himes is going to get the, a lot of the, the you know third down design passing plays, get him out and and you know running routes. Um, but I, I really do think it's Taylor's job to lose. I think he showed some really good signs at the end of last year. And that's a guy where you know, I, I think he slides a little bit if Quentin Nelson misses time. But if it's looking like Quentin Nelson's still on track by the time you draft, it's, there's just not enough high-end running backs in the league. Um, I think he falls into that category. I don't think I would take him in the top 10. I don't think he's a first-rounder for me in a 12-team format, whether it's P- um, unless it's you know non-PPR. Um, but in a PPR setting, there's no way I'm taking him in the first round. Uh, anywhere in the second, I'm fine with. Um, so if you take him on the flip, whatever, um, that's fine. But I, I wouldn't take a first round pick on him. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with both of you guys. I, I don't think he's a first round pick. I, I never have, uh, but he, I have seen him. I mean, Fantasy Pros has one one expert has him at number four. Some guys are really bullish on him. I just don't see it because if you look at the guys he sandwiched around. He's going to be battling for carries way more than any of these guys. And you guys mentioned, you know, um, Hines. Well, what about Marlon Mack, the former a guy who was being drafted just a couple of years ago in like the third round of most fantasy drafts? I mean, this guy comes back, you know, from an ACL injury. He's a dude that could definitely steal carries down the down the road, especially because he's really more of a complete back. So you could see him kind of coming in on third downs and and potentially even being a goal line back because uh, he was decent in that role prior. So there's a lot of mouths to feed there. And when I look at him around guys like Antonio Gibson, um, Aaron Jones, Saquon Barkley, like these are guys that aren't going to have to compete so much for carries. I, it's, it's hard for me to justify it. I, I see him as like a later second round pick, in my opinion. So hypothetically, uh, Newman, if you're in a, let's say, 14-team league with two keepers, uh, would you keep – Jonathan Taylor, or would you maybe keep the guy like, I don't know, uh, DeAndre Hopkins? I mean, if those are my only two choices, uh, I'd probably... That's tough. Yeah, it's a, in a PPR league with like uh, two wide receivers and like two flexes or something, I'm probably going to go ahead and keep the receiver there because there's, you know, more places that you're going to play him at a higher value, I think. Um, oh, no. Now what do I do? But in regards to, uh, I mean, there's a lot left to be decided in that because it's what what is the value cost of those players and what other options do you have available to you? Uh, I think for, yeah, I mean, so obviously, you know, thinly veiled there. That's my situation. Uh, I think for me, the difference is just position scarcity. I think there's a lot more receivers late in the draft that will make an impact than, than running backs. Um, do I think... I mean, I, I think Hopkins will definitely outproduce Taylor, but you know, position scarcity. I, I feel like right. Yeah, you're, tied. You're paying you paying a cost, first round cost, either way, right? Yeah, right. well, second round cost. Yeah. Okay. For either I guy. Mean, yeah, that's different. To, to me, you have to take Hopkins, especially in your position. But you know, we're we're kind of getting specifically into our own league there. But because <laughs> uh, if you if you're taking another running back, the running back scarcity is going to be a real thing this year. Um, and all, although I do think he is going to be battling for carries, I do think he's going to have a tremendous fantasy year because it. I think the Colts' offense is going to be really good, and that offensive line is still really good. So, yep, absolutely, we'll, we'll see. But what what do you guys think about Michael Pittman? 
he's 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 on a lot of people's sleeper boards. Uh, obviously, the, the talent is there. Um, is is he the is he the obvious wide receiver to own in this offense? So here's part of the issue for me with with them. Like I think that him and T. Y. Hilton are both pretty good receivers, um, and they have some other pieces that are like interesting little flyers, but. Carson Wentz history as a quarterback. So if we're actually assuming that he's back, he is very much so reliant on one receiver. His lead receiver tends to outpace the rest of his receivers by a wide margin. So you're really kind of taking a shot shot in the dark and saying, all right, is the lead receiver going to be Michael Pittman or is it going to be T.Y. Hilton? Um, And kind of settling on that. Um, Whichever wide receiver that is has a lot of upside. um, But I don't know that you know for sure it's going to be him. If I'm playing in something of some sort of dynasty or keeper, obviously I'm going to take the younger guy and, and just hope for the best there. Um, but I mean, it reasonably could be either of them. To me, that just kind of solidifies my position. One, I think T.Y. Hill is one of those guys I stay away from. He's one of those boomer bust guys. He might get you two points. He might get you 30 points. That's just kind mm-hmm. of been the way that, you know, T.Y. scored points traditionally. Uh, and then also, do you want the 23-year-old who's 6'4", 225, or do you want the 31-year-old who's 5'10", 180? Like, I'm, I'm going to take the bigger receiver if I think that he's going to lock on to somebody. Yeah. Um. So so you, you like Hilton more? No, I, I like Pittman more for me. Okay. I'm, I'm leaning Pittman. Yeah, so um, I, I think it's tough. I honestly don't like either of them. <laughs> um, I don't really like Hilton, and I don't really like Pittman this year. Uh, Hilton has just been so bad for so long. I do think a lot of that has has to do with his quarterbacks. Um, and he's really a big play guy. And Carson Wentz, let's face it, he does have the arm. So if if Wright can turn back the clocks on uh, on Wentz, uh, like the last time that he coached him with the Eagles, when he was a really good downfield thrower, uh, we could potentially see T.Y. Hilton, you know, come back in, in, into uh, relevance. But these are both guys that I'm kind of, you know, I, I don't, I don't consider either either of them wide receiver twos. Um, no, and I, and I think Pitt, I think Pittman's got enough hype where I don't think you're gonna get the value on him. Yeah, yep. There, there's always there's always guys, and I think it's I think it's really important to keep in mind. There's always guys that you have to look in on your draft board and say someone's gonna like this guy more than me. You know what I'm saying? You always have to identify him. I, I think this year, guys like Lamar. I mean, um, guys like Herbert and stuff. I'm just staying away from these guys because. I know the hype train is on them and somebody in my league is going to like them way more than I do. And they're going to, they're going to stretch for them, you know? And I think the, Pittman the, is definitely going to be one of these guys. He's, he's one of these sexy sleeper picks that I'm hearing in, in pretty much every podcast. The, the other thing to consider is also like, what are your positional needs at that point in time? Um, like that's a pretty good spot for somebody who's, you know, if you're already in, heavily invested in wide receiver, um, you've got some pretty good running backs that you could take in this, in this area that could pop. Um, you know, right around Michael Pittman or like Tony Pollard, AJ Dillon, Devin Singletary. Um, these are all guys that are not necessarily going to be starters, but if you're playing that, Hey, I want a guy that's got some ability to pop and be a potential, you know, game changer later. Um, I would much rather take that running back in that situation. And then even in terms of the wide receivers around him, you've also got, you know, you've got similar guys, I think, uh, Marvin Jones, Marquise Brown, Darnell Mooney, et cetera. So, I mean, it's kind of like a pick your poison. Which one do you trust and which one? Uh, so to me, the way I lean on that is, I mean, I really like what we've been hearing about Mooney in camp. So that's probably the guy that I would be, be slotting for around that area. Yeah. And I, I think another thing to you know talk about wide receivers for Indy, uh, he's not going to get drafted. He shouldn't be drafted in your leagues, but some of that could kind of, 
show a little surge and you should keep on from a, maybe a waiver wire to just keep your eye on. I think Pascal has upside, especially if either one of these guys gets banged up. Um, I think he he fits into kind of what both of them do pretty well. He's kind of an oversized slot guy. Uh, I think he could fill in for either guy, somebody to keep an eye on from a waiver wire standpoint. Man, the, the tight end, how 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 long has, has Indy uh, been the spoilers for tight ends? Like they they, I feel like for years people have been saying that Jack Doyle was going to bust out, and now I feel like finally fantasy has turned on Jack Doyle. Nobody believes on in any of these guys, and they're they're both decent talents. And of course, I'm talking about Jack Doyle and uh, oh, what what the hell's his name. I like Mo Alley Cox. Mo Alley Cox. I, yeah. I actually I actually like him as like a deep sleeper at the position. Yeah, but man, he he is way down the board. So that's a guy you could definitely sweep up towards the end of the draft, maybe as like a high upside tight end too. But yeah. I agree with you. I think he's the only one worth owning in this in this offense. Like Jack Doyle, how many times has that guy fooled people? He's like a low end, he's like Jared Cook, except for at least Jared Cook has actually had decent seasons. I feel like there's always some analyst that hypes him up every year. Yeah. So I mean a lot of tight ends fall into the bucket of touchdown dependent. And I think that that's exactly what Jack Doyle is. So and yeah. he scored three last year. Right. So yeah, definitely a guy that I'm not on in, in any way, shape or form. Carson yeah. Wentz, man. I mean, this, this is a guy, uh, just MVP, you know, an MVP candidate a couple of years ago and holy shit, what a fall from grace. I mean, this guy won't even be drafted in most leagues, but should he be? I mean, you do have this great offensive line. Um, the upside's there, and and you know, it, it, could he revitalize his career with Reich? I, the, my my problem with that whole theory is, was Doug, is Doug Peterson really that bad of a coach? Like, have we turned on Doug Peterson so hard over the last few years? The dude just won a Super Bowl just a couple years ago and was hailed as an absolute genius. So I I feel like a lot of people you know that are in the camp that Carson Wentz now that he's back with Reich is going to like revitalize his career. I don't see it happening. So one of the th- stats that people like to throw out um, is that Carson Wentz from a clean pocket was actually really awful. So, I mean, he's actually better on the run. Well, is Indy going to push him on the run if they have all that great offensive line? Like, there's no reason for him to run. So it's kind of just like maybe he is happy feet, which is never really a good trait that you want out of a quarterback, um, especially if there's no pressure. There's no reason to abandon the pocket. Just stand in there and actually pick your guys out. Um, so, I mean, there, there's that, the, the, not one of the things about Wentz they used to say, um, a few years back was that he's just really good in the red zone. Uh, he doesn't make many mistakes down there and he finds his targets. Um, Frank Reich does get a lot of the credit for that Pearson season in which, uh, Carson Wentz was really good. And then Nick Foles took over. Um, so, I mean, maybe he's got the ability to do it. I like Reich. I think he's a pretty good coach. But I don't necessarily know that Carson Wentz is going to be the thing that takes him over the top. And obviously, I'm down on him this year. I just, to me, that defense is also not that great. Um, they have a really good group of linebackers, um, but their edge rushers are weak, and and there's some weaknesses in the secondary too. So, so this just happened today. But Frank Frank Reich did get uh, extended through 2026. So the Colts also really really think highly of him, um, and he will be around for quite some time. So. It'd be interesting. You know, I think Carson Wentz in a keeper format, he'd be an interesting guy to take a shot at right at the end of your draft as like a high, as a guy that could potentially, especially if you have a, a, a keeper league that you lose picks based on where you took them uh, the previous year. He could definitely be a, a flyer guy. Yeah. I do think that this defense is interesting for fantasy purposes because you do have 
Um, the obviously the Texans, who we think are going to be bad, and uh, the Jags, who you know are going to be starting a rookie quarterback. Uh, the Texans might be starting Tyrod Taylor at quarterback. So those are those are always good things to have um, when when Whoa. you're looking for a defense that could. Newman, spoilers, man, dude, we we're not all off the Houston train, man. I I got I got Houston pretty fucking high. So let's just go ahead and, and move on to Houston. Uh, because I think that you're speaking a little too soon. Uh, four wins. <laughs> That's where Houston is at. This is how far Houston has fallen. This is the perennial playoff team just a couple years ago with a bright fucking future, a uh, multiple time defensive player of the year in JJ Watt. Uh, their, their, their golden boy who's never been in trouble in any way, Deshaun Watson. Um, and now, holy shit. This is where we're at. Uh, four wins is where Vegas has them this year. I mean, brutal. Brutal. Does anyone have them winning the division? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not a chance. And, and I, I honestly predicated on the idea that I don't think Deshaun Watson wears a Texans uniform again. I don't think they get to that win total. I think they, they might get like two. I have them at three. Um, sharp football has them as the second hardest schedule in the league. Uh, they're out of their, their extra game is the Panthers. <clears throat> this, yeah. this organization is, is, is fucking pathetic in every way. I mean, they, their only option is, is to try and get whatever they can out of Deshaun Watson. Let this weird puppet coach they brought in, uh, kind of ride it out and f- fire him eventually and try, try to get somebody different in a couple of years when they got the draft capital to actually entice somebody to this awful organization. But this this organization, they're they're so fucked. I mean, the ownership, there there's no end in sight for for the dumpster fire that is the Houston Texans. I definitely have them with the under and I think I think we could see our uh, first 0 17 team right out the gates in the first year of the 17th league schedule. I mean, the, the only what who could they conceivably beat? The Jaguars? This is a bad team. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's yes. not good. Uh, the, the, one, the one, if Watson were to play, I think that that, that will allow them to potentially hang in a few more games, but let's look at the rest of this team outside of Watson. Cause I mean, we really don't know what the quarterback situation is going to look like. I mean, are you going to start Tyrod Davis? Are you going to start, what is his name? Um, Mills, the, Mills out of, uh, from Stanford. Um, they lose JJ Watt. The linebacking core is probably the strength, but their secondary is God awful. Um, so they're going to be chasing a lot of points and their wide receiver core is not really that good. It's Brandon cooks and a bunch of like number three wide receivers basically. So like, I mean, we've talked about, uh, you know, the Steelers had a bunch of number twos cooks is what, like a low end number one, high end two, something like that. He, yeah. He's um, in that situation where if you're, if he's your number one, you're in trouble. If he's your number two, you probably have a good offense. He's like right, right. on that line for me. I mean, he's going to, he's going to, he's, he's good for a thousand and, yards and six touchdowns always if as long as he's healthy um because he yep. did have a cut con, con, uh, some concussion problems a few years back um i honestly think he gets traded at some point uh i don't see him finishing the year there especially if this team is tanking uh there's no reason to hold on to an asset like that um a guy who's been traded what three times already yes so, for um, first rounds every but, time <laughs> but they bring in but they bring in like a weird uh like a weird bunch of like just a bunch of really old running backs. Right. So they already have David Johnson who they traded, who they acquired in the DeAndre Hopkins trade. Then they bring in uh, Lindsay, 
Mark Ingram, Rex Burkhead, like is is there a guy to own here? Mark, I don't think there is. It's a bad committee. Mark Ingram, holy shit, man! I th- he signed on. I'm pretty sure he signed with the with the Colts or uh, the Texans right before this whole Deshaun Watson news broke. And he was desperately trying to like recruit people over to the team and stuff. Like, I almost feel bad for the guy. <laughs> I mean, it it is a awful situation. And yeah, is there anybody really even ownable of these running backs? If there is, I'd say it's the guy to still own. Is oh, man, I don't even know. If, so, if, mean, if the all these guys, if they're your fifth running back, you're like, okay, yeah. Gun to my head, so, if I have to own somebody, it's Philip Lindsay for me. Yeah, Lindsay is a guy who has, I think, some upside here. Um, I also think that if you decide to take like an RB zero strategy, um, David Johnson could be uh, like a safe floor guy to grab early because you can be like, hey, I'm going to plug him in while I wait for somebody else on my bench to pop um, until I feel confident in starting them um, as like your number two running back or something. So because at least we think that he's going to be the starter coming out and uh, he should get plenty of volume, um, especially if they're going to be throwing the ball to their running backs out of the backfield. I don't know if I've ever seen such a bad team from a fantasy perspective, just just based on what the experts are saying. I mean, like they literally don't even have a guy. They don't even have a imagine this. Imagine being a quarterback on this team. They don't even have a single quarterback that's in the top 32 right now of fantasy pros. rankings. Um, so p- I pretty much Watson at 32. Uh, well, according according to Fantasy Pros right now, Deshaun Watson is 35. And okay. Tyrod Taylor is barely edging out a guy that most people think, oh, no, he's he's actually right behind him. But imagine that. He's, he's behind a player that most people don't expect to even play a single down for, for, their, for their team this year. Uh, I think it's probable because of the uncertainty of the quarterback position that it is the way it is. But, I mean, none of these guys are ownable. And if you, if you look at them across the board, I mean, geez, Atkins is like in the 20s. This is a this is a pathetic roster. One of the worst rosters I've seen there, in quite some time. Is there a chance that you grab it like in a keeper league or a, or like a deep bench format that you take a chance on on Deshaun Watson? Definitely, Just, of course. Like super late. Yep it's 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 going to be if you're in a keeper league, it's going to be uh you know kind of like a like a showdown, like an old like a, the good, the bad, and the ugly, where it's like exactly. and everyone's looking at each other like fucking the eleventh round. <laughs> <laughs> who's on the board once yeah. once you're getting into like your third tight ends you're like oh, okay pull the pull the trigger yeah. on on deshaun but yeah it's For pretty me, the, the only the only guy i'm keeping an eye on just personally um I, for some reason, just looking at how terrible the rest of this offense is, I'm looking at Farrell Brown just because Tyra Taylor likes tight ends typically. Um, and I think you could give, I mean, he might be borderline undrafted. So obviously there's good value to have there. Well, didn't um, they um, draft a, a rookie tight end out of uh, Miami, I think, right? Um, I don't think so. No, they did not. No, they have uh, Farrell Brown, Jordan Aikens, uh, Ryan Izzo, and Kalal War- Waring. Is there? Is there uh, their their tight end group or some depth chart that you're looking at here? Yeah, it's the uh, team team depth chart. Yeah, the official team depth chart. Um, yeah, those are often, honestly, sometimes those are the worst ones. Yeah. Um, Our lads yeah. has a pretty good up to date one normally. Nice. Um, yeah. But Davis Mills. I mean, let's talk about their draft. Their draft was horrible. 
And yep. and the funny thing is they didn't even have any of the early round picks. So like this is a team that they're going nowhere fast. Uh, they bring in a GM has this terrible draft. Like Davis Mills, this guy's never going to play a meaningful yeah. down in the NFL. In my Brandon opinion, Jordan was the wide receiver or was the tight end that I was thinking out of. Um, oh, okay. Out, out of Miami, he actually he's a he's a talented player. He um he actually went to high school or co- uh, high school with Tate Martell down there at uh, uh out there in like uh, whatever it is Vegas or whatever. Um, and then went to Miami and the, kind of was the reason that Tate Martell decided he could take a shot down at Miami, but obviously that didn't work out for Martell, but Brevin Jordan's a pretty athletic guy. Uh, he is more of a wide risk, like a, a pass catching wide, uh, tight end. So I don't expect him to really see the field much this year. All right, guys, uh, let, let's move on beyond Houston. Uh, this is a, this, this team's going nowhere, uh, but let's talk about the freaking Titans. Um, another team that I'm very surprised by Vegas's projections on them with at nine wins. Uh, that is shocking to me. This team only got a lot better from last year. I mean, they made improvements on the defense, which is the number one thing that they really needed to do, uh, and they desperately needed to do that because their defense was pretty bad last year. But they still won a lot of games. Uh, what do you guys think? I, I think I think I know the answer, but over or under a nine wins. I have them over. Yeah, I also have them over. I only have them at 10, though. Uh, I'm not blown away um, by everything that they have going on. Their schedule's not... It's middle of the pack. Um, their extra game is the Saints, which... I don't know. That's a toss-up probably for me. Um, the loss of Arthur Smith is is a, is, is an issue. Um, and then you've got... You know, you do get Julio. Um, you also lose Janu and Corey Davis and stuff. So there's going to be some production there for Julio that should be fine. Um, their offense should be good, but you got to expect some regression out of Derrick Henry, right? Like guys don't go back to back on 2000 yard seasons just doesn't happen. So that being the case, maybe the offense takes a step back if he's not quite as good or, you know, gets injured or something. But I do think the defense should be better. I just, I think it may take a little bit of time to gel. Right. So they bring in Nico Autry, Janoris Jenkins, Caleb Farley's a rookie, um, and then Bud Dupree, who's coming off an ACL. So these all should be guys that can impact and help that defense down the stretch. But I think they may be a little bit soft early on. Uh, I have them over. I like them at like 13 wins, I think, 13 and four. Um, what they do well doesn't slump. I mean, they run the ball well. They're going to beat you up in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Uh, Taylor Lewan is a psychopath, and I love him. Um, you add Julio Jones. I, I just they did a lot of really good things, and even honestly, like for a third wide receiver, Josh Reynolds is is a really solid number three. Um, I really like what they're doing offensively. It takes all the pressure off Tannehill, and then their defense. You know, they add Bud Dupree. That's a big get. Uh, Harold Landry, I think, is a really good player and is going to be continuing to improve. Jeffrey Simmons is very underrated. Uh, Kevin Byard still got some some rubber on the tires. Janoris Jenkins too. Uh, I really like what they did, and and honestly, you look at this division, they probably are getting spotted five wins, maybe six wins just to start. So the path to 13 isn't difficult. Yeah, I mean, the wide, wide receiving duo is just ridiculous. A.J. Brown is is so good. Uh, and what, what a come up, you know, I don't think really anyone took Mike Vrabel seriously when he first became a head coach. He was like one of these guys that I kind of thought of like almost like Singletary, uh, when he was coaching uh, 49ers. You know, like Dan real, Campbell so far. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like kind of like, all right, this kind of this guy came out of nowhere in terms of a head coach. 
he's done a great job. Um, and we might see that dick come off, you know, in, 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 in coming years. This team is really on the up and up, and they're 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 pretty they're, they're like decently young. Uh, I definitely have them in the over. I have them I have them crushing this division. To be honest, I, I don't think it's really even close. I, th- I think they're better than the Bills. In uh, in you know watching watching the Ravens with the things that are going on with Lamar Jackson. I mean, I think this is easily one of the best teams in the AFC. So, uh, I but I do got to tell you as a as a two year and going to become three year. Derrick Henry keeper owner. I'm worried about Derrick Henry, especially we play in PPR leagues as everybody should in fantasy. And Derrick Henry, his he's so good. He's such a good, but he might be the most single dimensional back I've ever seen. Like he he is the worst receiving back I think I've ever seen. And the funny thing is how good he is at running between the tackles. He's an enigma. I've never really seen anything like him. You can't even compare him to like AP because at least if you could get the ball in AP's hands, he would do something with it. Problem is he couldn't catch Derek Henry. When you get the ball, even when you get the ball in his hands from a receiving perspective, he is so bad with it for some reason. He turns into like a different guy when you actually throw it to him in space. Um, He's a guy that needs to get going from behind the line. And I worry about him from a PPR perspective. This is a guy they literally take out of the game when they're losing. That's bizarre Jamal to me. Lewis? Jamal Lewis ish. Yeah, I mean I, that, that's a good comparison. That's, that's good probably comparison. the last. Yeah, yeah, probably the most recent version. I mean, he's he's that's a guy. He has fifty eight career touchdowns and seventy six receptions. Like, yeah, that's yeah, a number that, that 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 touchdown number might catch that reception number soon. He, there, he's incredibly explosive when he gets into open space, though. Like he can run away from guys, um, but yeah, and he's just a big boy, like. Plus, there's, he's got there's a wicked some, stiff arm. There's some serious regression. I mean, for, for, for me in this in this uh, fantasy climate, I, I there's this upper echelon of guys, and then there's everybody else. And I'm kind of prone. It's, I know it sounds fucking nuts, but I'm kind of prone to count Derrick Henry as a tier two guy. For me, there's only three dudes in the, in the top tier, and that's McCaffrey, Cook, and Kamara. And I, I don't know why, but I, I always... <laughs> I, I, I'm always pessimistic about Derrick Henry, and I am again this year. Like, I think he's going to have a decent year, but, you know, if you're playing in a PPR format and you're up against guys like Zeke, who's probably going to catch like 40 to 50 passes this year to Derrick Henry's 11, like, that's a that's a big difference. I mean, he could, he could have 1,400 yards rushing this year and make no impact on a receiving perspective and fall outside the top seven, eight in terms of fantasy production. So I, I think there's a lot to be worried about that, especially from a PPR format. Yeah, I feel the same way. I, I think it's a situation where in a PPR format, the rest of the pack just catches him because he's putting nothing in that category. Are we talking about taking Zeke over Derrick Henry? Like, is, is that where we're at with the, the Derrick Henry thing? Is you, you wouldn't? I would not. Like, without question, you wouldn't. Yeah, I, I would have a very difficult decision to make at four. I, I don't trust yeah. the volume for Zeke. I think that that defense is still awful, and they're going to be chasing points a lot. Um, and so that means they're going to have to be throwing the ball. Um, and, you know, he he may be a little bit involved in the pass game, but he's just not He's not a guy that's always involved in the pass game. And to me, when that offensive line's not that great, which I don't think it is still, um, he's not a guy who's proven to be, you know, elite. He's proven to be a, just a good back. So I would not 
take him over Derrick Henry because I know that Derrick Henry is going to get lots of volume and he uh, has a good offensive line. He has a good defense, so they're going to be salting away a lot of games. Um, yeah. My only positive takeaway from Hard Knocks last night was, man, Zeke can run routes and he has really good body control. Yeah. Like, like he, his ability to find the ball in the air, like that motherfucker can catch. He looks like he's in great shape too. I he mean, looks that, he's in very good shape. I, 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 I'm I'm pretty bullish on Zeke. I know a lot of people I'm not, are. I'm down not sure on him. he's from this planet. I'm I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah. He's like the he has like almost like like a Michael Jackson type like childish like side to him. But dude can ball and he looks he's in good shape. He he is in really good shape and I I think that them coming back you know uh, playing from behind a lot I you you seem to think that works against him. I actually think in a PPR format that works for him. Uh, we saw Christian McCaffrey you know on a, on a really bad Carolina team. You know, break so many receiving records uh, because they were constantly just dumping it to him. I could see them doing that a lot with Zeke. The, the Panthers don't have elite wide receivers. Um, I think the Cowboys do. Uh, with, you know, CeeDee Lamb, I think, has a chance to really break out. Um, and then you've still got tons of target volume going to Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. So that, whereas if you look at those years where, where McCaffrey's getting, you know, 100 plus targets and stuff in the passing game, who are their wide receivers? You know what I mean? None of them are, are are aces. So they're not trying to force the ball into any of those guys. They're just trying to play with the matchups. And McCaffrey's a nat- matchup nightmare, whereas I don't think Zeke is as much of a matchup nightmare. So, I, yeah, I, I, I tend to disagree. Um, I, I, don't, I don't like Zeke for a lot of reasons, but I don't like Derrick Henry for more. Um, I'm taking Zeke over Derrick Henry. I'm taking Devontae Adams in fantasy. Um, and I'm contemplating taking Eckler over him. That that that's that's where I'm at at this point with with my Derrick Henry downgrade. Uh, just in terms of I think he's so I don't know. It's just it's so bizarre. He busts out for these huge games and then every once in a while though he gets shut down. And what happens if if he gets figured out and and Tannehill takes a step back this year and they can't put it downfield and they start stacking the box on him. Like I'm worried about it. If, if, yeah, if Derek is in the always, backfield, you know, they're running, you know what I'm saying? I, like it's, I think it's just always easy though to worry about your guy. Like he's on your roster. So now all you can do is worry about him in a keeper right. format. So sure. you're, I mean, the same way, like I'm like freaking out about Jonathan Taylor where other people might, you know, on the outside looking in, would you give up a second rounder for Jonathan Taylor in a 14 team league? Of course you would. Yeah. But um, from my perspective, I'm overthinking it. So, yep. Well, let's talk about this unreal wide receiving core. Uh, you know, two guys potentially in the top ten. Uh, they're top top ten receivers potentially, uh, but they're <laughs> but are they? You know, this is this is a very much a run first offense. I've I've been seeing these projections. You know, especially AJ Brown. I've been seeing him go really high in some drafts. I mean, does Julio Jones make AJ Brown better? That's the question. Because, you know, as, as good as A.J. Brown was in his rookie year, he was somewhat disappointing from a fantasy perspective last year. Um, if, 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 you, if you look at his uh, pure numbers, I mean, he, what, he barely eclipsed 1,000 yards? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, there's only one football, uh, and they have a bunch of people who are going to need it. I do think it makes A.J. Brown better, though. I think he's, like, the one beneficiary of this. I think Julio's numbers regress a little bit. One, he, he's still not playing with a much better quarterback. I, I think Tannehill and Matt Ryan are in the same tier as far as ability. Um, and I think AJ Brown is going to get the more favorable matchups this year. So I, I really like his upside. Um, I think Julio probably ends up getting overdrafted. 
So I don't have where he finished last year, but I mean AJ only, Brown. I'll, I'll, was, I'll tell you, a hundred, only a hundred and six targets last year. It's a big uh, improvement from his rookie year, but only seventy catches and a thousand seventy-five yards. This is because and, he's in a he's in a run first offense. Like, did, does yeah. that get better? And and I mean, he did score eleven touchdowns, which is a significant amount. Um, I mean, yeah, the, that's bound to regress, thing. right? Uh, I mean, maybe. Um, Corey Davis also, you know, had fairly similar production to what AJ Brown did. Um, so, you know, if you expect Julio to step in there and, and basically play that role, they also lose Johnny Smith. So Johnny had, you know, quite a bit of production there. And I don't know that you have another tight end that you like as much. So somewhere that, that those target shares got to go somewhere. I think it's more likely that they get spread between the two of them, um, which gives them a little bit of a boost up. Um, so let's add also, 20 targets to this 106 last year with only 70 receptions. And again, you got, you got to consider the delivery system that's throwing him the football. I've loved Tannehill's turnaround as much as the next guy, but he's still Ryan Tannehill. Um, 70 receptions on 106 targets. Field. Like what, what, what could you realistically expect? Like 85 receptions. I, I think they throw the football a little bit more this year. Honestly, I think they've learned their lesson they from, from, from wearing out Derrick Henry. I think they only becomes more exacerbated with the extra game. I mean, we, we've seen Derrick Henry in the playoffs. He's had a couple big games, but he's also the game they end, end up eventually losing is because Derrick Henry's out of gas. Yeah. So I think they, they're a little more cognizant of that this year and try to rely. You bring in a Julio and say, all right, we can do a little bit more through the air. Um, I, I do think that the, the targets go up a little bit. Now you want to see him convert at a better rate than 70% of his targets. I mean, to be an elite receiver, you'd, you'd want to see that number move up. But yeah, if, if he gets 85 catches, he probably gets 100 or what, 1300 yards. And let's say he just holds, keep, stays flat, 11 touchdowns. That's really good production. Yeah, I just think it's, I think his touchdowns are going to regress. I don't think he's going to see all that many more targets. And like, like I said, if he gets 15 more targets than last year and everything else holds sway, like, an 80 ball guy. Like, is that a wide receiver one? In my opinion, it's a low end, you know, it's a low end wide receiver one high end wide receiver two is, is what I'm saying. And he's being drafted yeah. pretty much unanimously uh, in the top 10 in terms of wide receivers. And I, I just think, I think he's uh, being <clears throat> overdrafted personally. So last year he finished as wide receiver 12 in a PPR league um, with his production. I just now, look at th things that hold steady over, over especially receivers careers, things like receptions yards. Th those are things that are consistent touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, look at Deandre Hopkins. He, he went from a dominating end zone presence to what did he have with three last year? Um, like, yeah. yeah, four, three or four wider or touchdowns are going to fluctuate, uh, especially when you got a guy like Derrick Henry and then you bring in a, a guy like Julio Jones, who you know he didn't score a lot of touchdowns in Atlanta, but he should have. <laughs> I think that was almost a product of the system. Like th this is a dude that he he's built to go up and get the ball. Like, why didn't he score more touchdowns? I think I, I yeah. hope they use him. Well, that was that was going to be my kind of point to that is, is, you know, the guy they brought in Julio, like his big headline is he doesn't score touchdowns. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I think that 11 number might be okay. Um, plus, I mean, you're looking at a team that is going to, when they're in the red zone, they're going to be trying to run the ball in. Yeah. I so mean, Corey you... Davis, Corey Davis was, was uh wide receiver 30 um, last year, 
65 catches on 92 targets, 984 yards, but only five touchdowns. So, I mean, there's going to be some passing touchdowns. Uh, somebody's got to get them between the two of them. Um, I don't think that you would lean one way or the other. I think it would probably be a pretty close to even split. There may be a little bit of regression, but also if Derrick Henry's not as productive, maybe that forces them into throwing the ball a little bit more on third downs and things like that. So uh, that may, you know, increase the volume measure for those guys. Um, I mean, I, I, I like AJ Brown. I'm probably treating him as, you know, a back end one high end two though. Yeah. Listen, I, I like AJ Brown too. I just don't like his delivery system. <laughs> I, 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 I question a lot of these guys that are being uh, propped up in these run first offenses like Justin Jefferson. I see Justin Jefferson right next to him on the rankings. And I think that's a little bit bizarre. Uh, when I look at guys like Allen Robinson, uh, Terry McLaurin, I'm definitely taking those guys over AJ Brown. So I, it, it is, it's just a little bit, I, I think he's being slightly overdrafted, but speaking of overdrafted Julio Jones, and this is a guy that was very disappointing last year. Although when he was on the field, he was very productive. Uh, but Usually is, is. is is Tannehill a downgrade for Matt Ryan? Like he's getting up there in age. Um, yeah, I, I I just wonder when I when I see him on this draft board where he's being drafted next to. I I wonder if he's being overdrafted as well. So for me, Tannehill's a little bit younger. Um, I don't know that he's specifically a downgrade from Matt Ryan as a quarterback. What I do think is a downgrade is the offense, right? So this is more of a run run centric offense. The defense is much better. I don't think they're going to be chasing as much points. So there's just less volume for him. Right. Um, whereas in Atlanta, we saw a lot of years where, you know, Matt Ryan, because of, you know, his play and stuff like that, he'd have really good seasons because their defense sucked and they're going to be chasing a lot of points and they're blowing leads and they're having to throw the ball all, you know, all four quarters of the game. Yep. And uh, quarterbacks, let's, I mean, Ryan Tannehill, if you got him a couple of years ago, uh, he probably won you a fantasy league. Uh, he's a guy that came on strong and nobody really expected it, but he's a guy He's all of a sudden finds himself in the top 10 of a lot of rankings. And it's, it's a little bit odd, um, but he does have this monster wide receiving duo, a really good offense around him. Uh, can we expect similar production out of Tannehill or, or is he going to be the guy that kind of regresses? So this is one of those things where you, you hear he's quarterback 10 and you're like, oh, man, I can't be right. Like he's a, you know, definitely an average guy. You expect him you know, in the 15 range. But then you go look and see who 11 is and 12 is and 13 is. And all of a sudden you're like, shit, I can't really put them in front. Uh, yeah. Jalen Hurts is one that I maybe could I, just because I think what he does, it's really similar to – um to Kyler Murray and, and there's gonna be some ability some rushing yards added that's maybe a guy you put ahead but Matt Stafford a lot of question marks I mean his age new system Joe Burrow doesn't trust his legs right now Trevor Lawrence hasn't looked good from all reports and then you're back to like Matt Ryan and Baker Mayfield um so I definitely I, I don't think there's a lot of difference between quarterback 10 and quarterback uh 20 is Ben Roethlisberger in that, in that stretch, I don't really think there's much difference. So maybe you hold on and take an upside guy for me. I, I just don't think I want any part of Tannehill where he probably is the right value, uh, just not for me. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the right call there. He's just not something that gets you excited. He's safe, you know, safe floor production, um, but you're not going to draft him at, you know, paying full price. If he falls a little bit further, sure, maybe then you take him a little bit later. Uh, when it makes more sense, but 
paying paying you know a hundred cents on the dollar is not really what you want to do there. Yeah, I think I think we've seen Tannehill's ceiling. To be honest, I I, I think he I think he will regress because I still I still think that Miami Tam, Tannehill is lurking somewhere out there, uh, and he's a guy that you know he's very much dependent on the play action and it it works for them and they've they've made this offense work, but. When I look at guys that are that I'm showing behind him on this on rankings that I'm looking at, like I'm not taking him over Matthew Stafford. I'm 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 probably taking him over Hertz just because I think that it's alarming that the Eagles are even courting Deshaun Watson, and that could be something that really destroys uh, Hertz's value if that actually materializes. But yeah, I mean he he's a guy that if if you draft him, you better have a stellar lineup around him. And I think if you do draft him, you're plan should then be your second quarterback needs to be a really high upside guy maybe you shoot your shot with a guy like daniel jones who could potentially you know come around in year three uh, maybe you go for a guy like trey lance justin fields you see what i'm saying i i, I think yeah, i think that we've seen his his ceiling and so if you really want to win your fantasy league you really do need a productive quarterback so shoot your shot with a high upside quarterback too I think you get, you nailed it. Like if you take that, you know, maybe a high floor guy, I think Tannehill is going to be consistent, but you know, you look at the vacuum that kind of creates and there's some, there's some guys that are going late that I think have a lot of ups. I mean, Justin Fields at 19 Tua at 22 is really attractive. Um, yeah. Daniel, Daniel Jones at 25, like you said, Carson Wentz for the games he plays. I mean, that could be good value borderline undrafted. Yeah. yeah. There, there, there's is, some, this is some the, depth. This is a bizarre fantasy year because I look at the back end of this of this quarterback rankings and I've never seen so many wild cards. There are so many wild cards. We just talked about one of them in, in this podcast, Carson Wentz. But then you have guys like Jameis Winston ranked at 31st. Like if he takes control of this offense, like Trey Lance, who apparently looks really, really good in camp, like could Shanahan pull around and, and pull a miracle and get Trey Lance ready for like week four? And then all of a sudden he's this really good dual back, uh, you know, dual threat that that can put up points like Jalen Hurts. It's a really interesting draft. There's so many high upside guys towards the end of it that it's going to be kind of a lottery towards the end so, of that, towards the end of your draft. Little little off topic, but how bad is Drew Locke that there are two teams with two quarterbacks ahead of him in the rankings? <laughs> what is there to like about Drew Locke? Nothing. I mean, I've, absolutely I've never nothing, understood. I just think it's funny that Lance and Garoppolo are ahead of him and then Winston and Taysom Hill. It's bizarre. I mean, Drew, Drew Locke, he's not even a likable guy. Like, from from perspective, he's a complete douchebag, and I don't like anything he does on the football field. I don't even know why Drew Locke is still a thing anymore. <laughs> even, like, I mean, I know this is going to get, like, this is, you know, it, it's, a, it's nitpicky and it's, it's you know, an ad hominem, but look at his, like, professional headshot photo, and he's got, like, the little, like, gelled spike tipped up thing in the front like you did when you were 17 in 2006 like <laughs> dude they, i think i think zach wilson and uh drew Locke are destined to play qb1 and qb2 for the xfl 2022 league uh when miami gets an expansion team the miami fuck boys and that that's going to be your quarterback duo zach wilson and, and drew Locke. they're destined for secondary leagues i love it <laughs> But anything else to like about the Titans? I mean, we 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 talked about you know uh, Derrick Henry. Like, it, it, I think it's a rosterable defense. Um, I, I think it's a solid defense in a bad division. So it's yeah. definitely you know a, a defense you want to roster and can probably play most weeks. They're going to generate some turnovers. They're going to generate some sacks. 
Um, but besides that, I mean, I think they're, they're clearly the favorite in this division. You guys big Anthony Ferkser guys? No. <laughs> it's weird. They went from, you know, they. I feel like they've always had good tight ends over the years. And, Delaney and Walker. They got, yeah, they have no one Johnny even Smith. ownable in fantasy I, this year. I was the uh, big Algernon Crumpler guy back in the day. <laughs> oh, Algie Crumpler, man. Michael Vick. I love them. Yeah, that's right. I fell in love with them in the 04 when you could tell, you know, Finneran and Crumpler to run the routes you wanted to with him on the edge. And then I kind of <laughs> became a fan of his after that and followed him to Tennessee. <laughs> yep. And and speaking of backside um, upper floor or upper ceiling guys, not not upper floor, upper upper ceiling guys. Let's move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars and the man, the myth, the legend who we've been memeing about for Gosh, we're coming up on our two-year anniversary in nine days. Um, Trevor Lawrence was like our fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth memes that we ever even made on the page. We Now he's in the pros. People people are very over the Trevor Lawrence looks like a girl uh, meme concept, by the way. They hate it. People get very angry about it, which is why I'm going to make tons of them this year. But <laughs> Trevor Lawrence, I mean, he is a super interesting guy. I mean, the guy looks really bad in practice from what you're hearing, but I don't, I don't think you can buy in any of these rumors that you're hearing. Uh, this is a multidimensional guy who I think he's going to be such a presence. And th- this is where Trevor Lawrence can be dominant on the goal line. That big body. Like, mm-hmm. tell me that's not going to be just a great QB sneak, like Cam Newton, like force on the goal line. Especially because you can line him up in in kind of a pistol with you know with uh, his, his former teammate at Clemson, and it was Entenny. Like, I'm gonna like Etienne. That. Etienne. Yeah. Um, that's dynamic. You got to you know if they, if they run a read option play, you got to cover a lot of speed on both edges. Um, that he's and gonna be a force. Ever, have you ever seen a quarterback play his rookie season with the running back that he just played three seasons with? That's crazy. Really quite unique. Yeah. Crazy. I mean. Two-time uh, ACC Offensive Player of the Year, Travis Etienne. Um, so yeah, I mean the Jags went one and fifteen last year. Uh, I don't. I think it's safe to say that we think they're going to win a few more games than that. Vegas has them at. I think the number is six that I saw. What do you have there, Drew? Uh, they they are at six and a half wins for for mm-hmm. uh, Vegas predictions. So um, yeah. So I'm still going to take the under on that. I have them winning five. Um, they do have the fourth easiest schedule per Warren Sharp. Uh, their extra game is Atlanta, which to me is winnable. Uh, that is, you know, a winnable game for them. I actually kind of like what they're doing on defense. I think that their front seven is pretty good um, and getting better. Uh, and then their back end has, it's young, but it has potential. But that'll probably lead to, you know, some breakdowns and stuff like that. Them them having to play from behind at certain points. But, um, I mean, they have... A bunch of interesting guys at wide receiver, but I don't know that any of them are studs. But we do really like their uh, their quarterback and running back. But their offensive line, I think, needs some work. You're talking about so, Gardner Minshew and James Robinson. I, I mean, <laughs> their, their depth at running their depth at running back and quarterback is good too. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, let's be real; those guys are both fantasy players. You know, when when you're when you're picking them, Gardner Minshew is a guy who you know, when healthy, uh, ha- has performed pretty well. And obviously James Robinson probably won some leagues last year for people. So I still think Gardner Minshew could start on so many teams. Um, I think he will. 
Yeah. I, I, I think I think once Trevor Lawrence takes over the reins, I think Bathard becomes the backup and, and Minshew gets shipped. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to ship him right away, but um, I, I I definitely don't think he's there next year. I think if the Colts weren't in their division, he'd already be gone. Sure. So I, I think you know when the vacancy happens, he, he's definitely the guy that's a candidate. Um, I'm I'm with you too. Offensive line has problems. I think six wins, so still under. Um, if the line was six wins, I was just going to go ahead and call a push because I really am th- pretty firm. I think they're going to be exactly six wins. Malcolm Brown moves over from New England. I don't think he, he's really a bust for New England where they drafted him, but he's still a good player. Miles um, Jack's one of my favorite players in the NFL. I just I just love everything about that guy. I love his Josh versatility. Allen, Josh, Josh Allen's Al- a stud. Josh Allen is a stud. Shaquille, Shaquille Griffin's is, I, I like a lot. Um, they're young. They have a lot of upside. Wide receiving core is good. I just between Chanel and Shark, I feel like you're going to always play the wrong guy. Um, I, I feel like and it's Marvin be back Jones. and forth. So Marvin Jones actually comes over. He played with Daryl Bevel in Detroit. So they are familiar with each other, offense coordinator and wide receiver there. So, I mean, that's a potentially a, a safety valve there. Yeah, but for this offense, my number one priority is NTN. I don't understand running back 25. I feel like that is a if – if he makes it that far in your league, you, you've picked up a lot of value. It's a guy well, that can win you the league. Don't fall for the Marvin Jones trap this year. Marvin Jones is washed. I've never seen a guy so washed at such an age. If you looked at him last year, Galladay was out almost the almost the entire year. He was constantly supposed to take the mantle, and he never did with Matthew Stafford. Like he was the only guy they had. I think Marvin Jones is washed. Um, I love these other two guys. I love Chark and I like Chenault. Uh, I think I think those are the guys you gamble on. If Marvin Jones falls to you like really really late, he is a high four guy. I think he's going to get a lot of receptions. Um, when I say a lot of receptions, I mean, you know, he, I think he's going to yeah, be a guy that will grind out like nine, a, 12 points a week. He's a third, three wide, third wide receiver slash flex play kind of guy. Um, yeah. On the team, not on your, if he's your, if he's your flex in your fantasy team, you're fucked. I mean, if I have three other good wide receivers ahead of him, I think I'm okay with that. Well, I'm talking about if you have two wide receivers and he's your third wide receiver, I think your fantasy team is in some pretty bad. Sure, I'm, I'm talking about chance. more a situation where you have you're already starting three wide receivers, so maybe a two flex league or three wide receiver league, uh, and then you're also having a flex play. That that's a guy that you're interested in at that point. So more of a fourth wide receiver than anything else. I think Chark is the guy to own in this offense. Um, I really like Chenault's upside, uh, but I think Chark has already shown what he is. Uh, he's a bit, you know, of an injury concern. So that's, you know, that, that's something to, to definitely weigh in. But uh, Trevor Lawrence, man, from, from a keeper perspective, I think this guy's alone with this guy. I think his floor is crazy high. And I, I've, I've said it before. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again. I think the guy's going to have 37 touchdowns this year. I think, I think he's going to break Justin, Re- Justin Herbert's uh, touchdown record. What's an appropriate round to draft Trevor Lawrence in a keeper league? I think it's still going to be late. Oh, in a keeper league? Ooh, it depends on what the rules are. You know, it's uh, it depends on what the penalty is to keep him. But I think he's a guy to certainly gamble on if you're playing the long play. He has all the stuff to be the best quarterback in the league someday. I, I really so, I think so highly of him. The PPR format has him at player 115 overall, quarterback 15 overall, right behind Matt Ryan. Um, I mean right in that same range as we were talking about Michael Pittman earlier. So, I mean, that's, that's not, I don't think you so, can just wait that long. I think it's probably like what round eight to nine. Yeah. Uh, most likely. Keeper. 
I mean, dude, I, I, I think the, the thing that's most underrated about Trevor Lawrence is his legs. Like, he's not going to have 800 rushing yards, but he's going to score a lot of touchdowns. He's going to be like this Aaron Rodgers force. who He does a lot of rollouts, and in the end zone, he's going to run forward with that 6-6. He's so freaking big, and he's gotten mm-hmm. so much bigger from his freshman year in Clemson. I've seen pictures of him. The dude is putting on even more muscle. Like, he's getting even bigger. Um, he's a guy he's going to score a lot of touchdowns. I think I, I, that's why I think he's going to have 37 touchdowns this year is because I think he's going to have like 10 rushing touchdowns. I mean, but they're going to pick somebody off. This is, this team's going to pick somebody off. I'm telling you, they're going to do it. Uh, they're going to beat a team where we're going to be like, Whoa, that is not a team that they should be beating. Yeah. Because the, I, like I said, we like, I like this front seven on the defensive end. Um, and we think that their their secondary has some good potential. So, you know, in a game where they don't give up uh, any, like, uh, mistakes there, letting some letting somebody get behind him or something like that, uh, Trevor Lawrence is good enough to have that almost like uh, Andrew Luck-style uh, impact on a team that really helps them play up. Um, but in terms of going back to the Etienne thing, I kind of comp him to, um, like, an Alvin Kamara. I think he's going to be a really good pass-catching back out of the backfield. Um, so in a PPR league, I really love him at, uh, for fantasy. So listen to, listen to Etienne's just real quick. I've said this multiple times. Uh, this guy's he's, his college stats are kind of unreal from a touchdown perspective of uh, dating back from freshman year, 13 touchdowns, then 24, his sophomore year, then 19, his junior year, and then 14, his senior year. He actually has more, uh, I believe college touchdowns than, um, Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> which is insanity. Um, yeah, Etienne's really interesting. But then you got James Robinson lurking. And what more do you want out of a team that has a rookie quarterback than two really good running backs you can just kind of pound it with? Yeah, for sure. I think they will play spoiler for sure. I, I wish they had a better offensive line. That's, yes, that's absolutely. that's my thing. So. And this is this is one of those teams where it's I'm really high on a lot of their their individual elements. But what kind of mellows my expectations and my excitement for them is I am not a fan of Urban Meyer. Yeah. I just don't think his shtick is going to work at the NFL level. I think these guys are professionals. They're seasoned. They're going to see right through it. I think he's going to have a hard time. Well, he's already made multiple mistakes, you know, throughout the offseason. We've documented it. Um, So he's not a guy that I think you can rely on in terms of X's and O's. um, But he also doesn't really do that. He kind of lets... Uh, his coaches do take care of that. The, the real question is, what is his value to the team? And I'm not sure that there is much. Exactly. Like he's never been renowned as like an offensive mind or a defensive mind. He's always been a really elite recruiter. I mean, this this is a guy that that has been excellent at recruiting since he was with Utah. Um, and he can't do that anymore. There's no recruiting. I mean, there, there's an element of recruiting and free agency, but not unless you have Brady on your team and maybe Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> maybe Trevor Lawrence. I think he got guilt dealt a golden hand. And I think people, people are going to say, Oh, well, look, look, look what he did. Yeah. Who couldn't succeed under these circumstances? He got arguably the best draft prospect since Andrew Luck. Like he, there could not, there's, there was no better situation than, than the Jaguars going into this year. So I think he's going to be elevated by his situation. And I do, I, th- I think he's a trash human. And ultimately, Kind of hope he fails. So we, it's unavoidable. So we, let's not let's not try to avoid it. Does Tim Tebow make this roster? <laughs> I knew we were going to get here. We had to. 
It, it's 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 a rule at this point, and it's ridiculous. I, but the crazy thing is, I think he does. I think like he this, absolutely will. This tight end room, one, he likes him. Two, he's 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 gadgety. You can make a couple. You can make a small package of plays for him. And it's not like this is an impressive. Like he doesn't have to displace anybody here. This is a, a tight end room that has a combined thirty four receptions in the NFL. Over under three touchdowns for Tim Tebow this over. Year. Over. He's gonna they're gonna create packages for him. We're talking about Trevor Lawrence at the goal line. It's gonna be Trevor Lawrence next to Etienne with Tebow like in a little H backs position. It's he's gonna score four or five touchdowns this year. Oh See, man, in that I situation Tebow is my lead blocker for Trevor Lawrence. He probably will be on a lot of plays, but I'm telling you, he's he's gonna get on the edge and it's gonna be like that little Aaron Rodgers play where he gets that linebacker on the edge, tries to flip it and get him up in the air, and if he comes forward, he's just gonna flip it to Tebow. I mean, wow, so you think five touchdowns out of Tebow. That's more I'll than DeAndre four. Hopkins had last year. I'll go, I'll go four. I'll go four. But I, it's Urban Meyer, man. Like that, that that's his guy. Like he's going to create for him. Yeah, I, really, I can I really see. I can it. see him. I can see him forcing it. I also do think that you know, even at thirty-three years old, uh, Tebow does he. There is a place for Tebow, and it's that he's an, strong as an ox. So get him on the edge, uh, teach that guy how to block, and maybe he can make an impact. But gosh, I, I just wonder, like, are his hands good? <laughs> never, never caught any passes in his life. I, I, I try not to get too hyped on the camp because it's camp, but he's actually run some good routes. It's he's he's a, I mean he's a guy he's going to dedicate himself. If this is something he wants to do, he thinks this is you know his next thing. He's going to try to prove himself. I mean, he willed himself to Double A baseball. Uh, <laughs> Certainly did. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, I, it's crazy to think, but I mean, 6'3", 260, freak athlete. Like the, I think there's a place for him on this roster. Yeah, and I'm I'm rooting for him. I'm just not, I, I'm not rooting for his fans. <laughs> I fucking hate no, his fans. <laughs> no, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, they're they're just, they're, they're fucking worse. They're the absolute worst. It's, it's like embarrassing. But, you know, we were talking about earlier with JC. Like, he really doesn't have a lot of competition on this roster. Shaughnessy. Like is that is that the guy he has to beat out? He could beat that guy out. So yeah, three rookies, three three rookies on the roster. Uh, but the earliest one they took was the fifth round. You're not beholden to those guys. Fifth rounders get cut all yeah. the time. No, I think I think at least one of the rookies makes the roster. Um, Farrell, I agree. The guy at Ohio State because they did invest a draft pick in him, and obviously Urban Meyer was at Ohio State, so like there was a reason that they took him. Um, but I think I that, think this is a team that keeps three or four tight ends. Um, definitely and, and most, you know, most teams most teams keep four at least and especially ones that i mean tebow can play special teams he can be the punt protect you can be the protector on the punt he can cover kicks like i, I think he's gonna play a lot of special teams and they're gonna create some gadgety shit for him probably J- james robinson man I, I i think it's i think i love the etn pick and yet i hate it at the same time I, I'm, I'm so torn on it because i love etn so much um i think he has Great potential, and I, I love the compare the Camara comparison. Uh, but James Robinson's still out there from a fantasy perspective. Like this guy was top ten last year. Like what? What? Where do you draft a guy like that? Like he's still the more experienced guy, even though it's only his second year. You have to think that with the draft capital that they spent with ETN, uh, but they are kind of do complement each other in a weird way. You could see, you know, ETN kind of being the pass catcher and James Robinson being more of the pure runner. Well, they did move uh, Etienne to wide receiver, supposedly like the first couple weeks of camp, um, to try to get him some more reps there. So, uh, so is he like a Reggie Bush type of guy? 
Yeah, Fantasy Pros has him at running back 29 at 82 overall. So you're looking at, you know, the seventh round-ish for him uh, that you're going to have to take him. So well, I mean, I to, mean, to further complicate it, I, Carlos Hyde is still productive. Yeah, he's he is. 4.4 4. 4 yards per carry, four touchdowns last year. Um, he's going to eat away. Point, yeah. At this point it's goal career, line share. It's goal line share. At this point in his career, he's not a guy that you're like, like he's not going to be a super selfish guy, I don't think. He's going to be a guy who's like, yeah, he's like, whatever you want to give me, I'll, I'm ready to go when you need me. Um, but he's not going to be like a cancer in the locker room or anything like that. So th- that's. I yeah, mean, I think I think it's a guy that chips away at the ceiling of Robinson and NTN from a touchdown perspective. He might get one or two injury protection than anything, though. OK, I mean, that's definitely fair. He only had 80 carries last year, but and he was also, productive on him. And also, he's a guy I wouldn't be surprised to see get traded at some point, um, whether it be in season. If, you know, somebody has an issue where they get a running back hurt and they, they want to go get somebody that they think can be productive still or or, you know, maybe even before camp. We'll see. Or one of those. Hey, give us a seventh rounder and we won't release this guy to the wolves. You can take him kind of thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I think the Jaguars, uh, if, if, if I'm them moving forward, you already got your guy at quarterback. I do kind of like what the Rams have done and snipe out a offensive tackle that you know is really good out there and just throw everything you got at him, just like the Rams. Like, throw throw a first-round pick, maybe even multiple at him. Uh, get, like, a bona fide guy, especially if a team's, like, dumping, and they have a guy like that. that that's, that's how I'm playing this with the Jaguars, because you're right. The biggest worry about this team is, you know, their defense is not good, but their offensive line is really bad. So uh, that could potentially be dangerous, because we saw what happened with Burrow last year. But I think Trevor Lawrence is somewhat unbreakable. <laughs> I don't believe in anyone being unbreakable, so except for Bruce Willis. <laughs> and Brett Favre. So we're in agreement. Uh, Tim Tebow is a high-end tight end one. Um, go out and get yourself some uh, Etienne really early on, and we're just going to see the Clemson offense just play itself out exactly as it did last year, except for on the big late in the big leagues. Yeah. We're in agreement. And Tim Tebow... Yes, number one tight end this year. Can you, ma- can you imagine if he was even top 14? People would lose their fucking minds. It'd be, as much as I'd love to see the story, it'd be so annoying to see it. It, it would be so annoying. But then uh, at the same time, I mean, it would give people who are in our position the ammunition. He wasn't an NFL quarterback. He should have switched positions, and he would have had a successful career. Yeah, if, he can do, if he can do it at 33, I guarantee you I was right five years ago when I said it. Well, I mean, it would be the, uh, you know, him and Travis Kelsey would be the two best tight ends in the league right now. <laughs> I do think he would have a great career. And I don't even know if necessarily tight ends is calling. I think he would have been, I, I always think back to when he played behind Chris Leak and was just this dominant goal line back that they played him, you know, his freshman year. I like, think he could so have been freaking strong. I think he could have had a kind of like Kyle Juszczyk kind of career. Kind of this like move it around athlete who's a little bit too big to be a running back. Agreed. Yeah. And I hope he does have a good year. And I, I'm just not going to watch ESPN for weeks when it ha- when he catches his first <laughs> touchdown. So uh, breaking news, Dak's getting an MRI on his arm. Oof. <laughs> Why didn't like, he what? have an MRI when there was first uh, an issue? Yeah. I mean, God, they're talking about like his bicep. Like in, in, in Hard Knocks, they were talking about like his, his arm. And it was mysterious. And did you see Mike McCarthy go up to him and be like, dude, what are you doing? Like, I respect that you're trying to stay out here and shit, but go get checked out like right now. Like, why didn't they get that MRI right away? What are they? Yeah. 
what a fucking terrible organization. Or the uh, my my favorite was uh, oh Dak, you're missing a mojo moment, and yeah. like Zach is like Dak is like audibly upset. He's Sad. Like, I'd be out there if I could be. Yeah. And, oh, I'm just busting your balls. Like, nobody wants to be out there for your fucking mojo moment. You know what? It's kind of interesting. I I I, I don't really know much about Dak, and he was the most likable guy that came mm-hmm. out of that whole episode for me. I thought he was actually kind of funny. He said he said a couple like witty remarks to like players. Um, Ezekiel is, I'll tell you from a, from a, what I thought of Ezekiel is the exact guy I thought he was like kind of weird. Like Zeke should be animated. Like, yeah. dude, how do you not know how to fucking wrap a gift? Like you can't, he doesn't know how to, I'm terrible at it. Paper, like I'm really bad at it. Yeah. I, I'd, I would watch a YouTube video to do it along with for sure. I would like, yeah, same. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Ezekiel, it is it, the, everything is who I thought they are. You are who we thought you are. That That's my, that's my final impression of, of the hard knocks is nobody is the guy that I didn't think they were. Mike McCarthy's unimpressive. Um, I've always kind of liked Dak and I like him a little bit more. Zeke's a weird motherfucker. Uh, the one dude that was pretty interesting was uh, uh, what's his name from Penn state. Michael Parsons. He, he is a personality man. And so- he's going to be a dynamic player. And the, the honestly, like, I think it's the personality combined with like the dangling earring, but I'm like, oh, it's fucking LT. Like, this is like, and it's the athleticism. And to me, the marker is always when you, because on TV, like, we don't know, the, you don't know what you're looking at. You don't have the, the, the scale or, you know, the, the kind of the way to judge speed per se. But when you're seeing professional athletes get excited over the athleticism of a guy, like, oh shit, he's fucking fast. It's like, okay, yeah. so this guy's the real deal. Michael Parsons will be the defensive player of the year. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, rookie of the year. And Dumb. now we have an answer uh, with all that salt with Jerry Jones on his on his McGriddle. Now we know why. Like sometimes Jerry Jones looks like he was just pulled out of a river. Yeah. Now we know why. <laughs> you <laughs> want to see his body? He's, he's bloated from all that salt, dude. <laughs> salt on a McGriddle. Ugh. All right, guys, let's shut it down. Um, any any closing remarks? No, I mean, just where how how good are the Titans? That's the real question. They're good enough to win the division, but is it good enough to take them to the next level? This division is terrible. I think the like I think the NFC East is better than them, especially with the Carson Wentz question marks. Like if the Colts were f- fully healthy, but man, this is a really bad division. I'm, I'm like hard pressed to think of a worse division, honestly. Yeah. I, I think it's I, a really I like bad the NFC. Like I said, the NFC East is the only comparable one, considering how bad they were last year. And I think the NFC East is going to be decent this year, despite what I saw at a Hard Knocks last year. <laughs> such a talented team what an embarrassment though all right guys shut this down everyone good night